Welcome to the High Performance Health Podcast with your host, Angela Foster. The show where we talk about everything you need to break through limits and achieve a high performance mind, body and lifestyle. I am here today with Kiki Bosch, who is a freediver, biohacker and adventurer. Kiki has used the Wim Hof method as a tool to reconnect to herself in recovering from a trauma. Inspired by the work of the Iceman, Kiki initially took to swimming in the cold ocean to connect with herself and be in the present moment. After struggling with panic attacks and nightmares following her sexual assault, Kiki describes how she's used the cold, breathwork and the ocean to connect with herself on a deeper level and find peace. She explains how compassion for yourself is key to compassion and connection with others and how she practices gratitude and meditation daily. This is a really beautiful and inspiring conversation and Kiki shares how by disturbing the comfort while simultaneously taking care of each other, we can all tap into the huge potential within us. As Kiki says, we are capable of so much more than we realize. So I'm here with Kiki Bosch today. I'm so excited to have you on the show. We met in person a couple of weeks ago at the London Biohackers um, meetup. Um, and you have such an amazing story to share and a, such, uh, an incredible inspiration, Kiki. Can you give us a bit of background as to how you came into um, ice diving and free diving? Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Um, yeah, how we got into, into ice diving, I think it was uh, quite, ra- quite gradually. I've always been very waterbound. Um, been swimming and just always loved the water ever since I was a little kid. And then I got into swimming and then got into scuba diving when I was very young. And when I started kind of traveling, I saw this poster of like this free diver and I didn't really know what it was. So I asked the dive shop what this, this weird way of diving without gear was. And they said like, oh, like if you want to do, if you want to learn it, you should do it now because the Colombian champion is leading the course next weekend. So it's like, okay, oh yeah, like I want to learn from the champion. I'm going to yeah. do that. Um, so yeah, I, I learned with him over that weekend and then immediately just fell in love with it and decided to, to move to Thailand to train in this sport further. And this was still all like very warm waters and trust me like free diving in water uh, warm water is already difficult enough um to just manage your own physiology and and uh train your brain to not freak out at that but um yeah in in thailand i kind of went through trauma mm-hmm. and from that after that i I kind of stopped diving for a little while. Um, didn't really know how to recover myself from that. I moved to Australia. I just started working a regular job. Uh, went to the water every now and then um, with my partner at that time. Uh, but I was, I was really struggling. I was mentally definitely not myself. I was very anxious very anxious of people, um, even scared of my partner most of the time. Um, I just wasn't sleeping very well. I had a lot of nightmares, um, 
panic attacks, quite a lot of panic attacks. And I think overall, I just didn't really know how to navigate life anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and then all of a sudden, I saw this, this video of this crazy Dutch guy named Wim Hof, who you probably know. Um, he said, try my method to become happy, healthy and strong. And I was like, ah, that's so strange. Like, why is he swimming in ice water? I didn't really, I didn't really get it. But then I was like, well, I love the water. I'm, I'm sure I can do this. Like, and I tried it and I went to, to the ocean in wintertime. And I think what just, what I totally wasn't expecting but struck me was that the moment I went in, my mind just kind of shut off. There was no ruminating about the past anymore. There was no anxiety about the future. There was just that present moment in which I was in the water, only doing that, only breathing and only swimming. And I was so this wasn't diving, this was swimming at this time. Yeah, was this, this was yeah. swimming at this time. Just, um, yeah, I kind of got used to the cold water and to the sensation on my body quite gradually. I wasn't straight away diving with my free diving gear. I just got my body used to the cold and yeah, that's how it kind of started for me to just start swimming and start exploring, especially this mental space. That mm. So if we go, if we kind of jump back a bit. So when you were in Thailand, at this point, you were just doing it in warm water, but you'd already really like to, to a degree mastered your breath in terms of being able to, to free dive. Was that a skill that you at that point, because I know you're now like one of Wim Hof's, you're fully trained in Wim Hof breathing. Had you used um, breathing at that point to kind of moderate anxiety um, or was it just in terms of the diving at that point? Um, I think after, after the trauma, I didn't really do a lot of breathing um, because especially the Wim Hof method, the hyperventilation, um, really reminded me of having a panic attack. Mm-hmm. So I couldn't, I couldn't really do it without getting that adrenaline and that, that heart pulsation and that I was just, my body was just freaking out. Um, so I didn't do the Wim Hof method breathing for quite a while, but, um, yeah, I think having the background, the freediving breathing and like just knowing the mechanics of breath really helped me, um, to, yeah, to just regulate myself a little bit more. And I would say it was very hard for me at those times to kind of jump into that because my whole life was kind of like fight or flight. Mm. Um, so I didn't always remind myself to do these breathing methods. And I didn't really have a good mentor um, there that was teaching me these breathing methods because at this time I wasn't a Wim Hof method instructor yet. Okay. So, yeah, I didn't really have all the knowledge available or mentors available or, yeah, to, to master the breath in that sense that I would kind of use now if I feel like I'm in a stressful period. Mm-hmm. So when you, so you first of all got started with really cold exposure um, before training Wim Hof and you were saying like connecting with the cold um, and, and being in nature, I know you're very um, at one with nature. Can you explain a bit more how that kind of grounded you, if you like? I mean, I think 
the nature over time has taught me so much. Like, I think for the, from the first few moments, it was that realization of being able to connect to nature, being able to be in the water and explore that um, parts. Yeah, that those parts of nature in a unique way of where you are in the extreme environments. And I realized over time, like in these extreme environments, you're really just, it's a mirror. You're facing yourself. Mm-hmm. You're facing the way that nature reflects who you are. And I think over time, nature just, I just kind of started realizing that we are nature as much as the sea. We are nature as much as the trees outside, as much as the grass, as much as everything else out there. This human body is nature at its finest. I'm not saying nature at its finest as, as like we are superior to all other aspects of nature, but we are not anything else than nature. Yeah. So we're all interconnected. Yeah. As well, aren't we? So um, that's kind of that helped me along that path of like stopping to see nature as something out there, but it's something in here. It's something that I am. And mm-hmm. there is no separation between that nature outside and the nature within me. Yeah, that's very powerful. I love what you say there when you say you're kind of looking at yourself, it's almost like a mirror of who you are. Um, and it's so true, that interconnectedness. Um, you know, so many writers talk about this. Like, I don't know if you read The Seven Spiritual Laws of Success yeah. by Deepak Chopra and yeah. um, Joe Dispenza's work. And yeah, amazing. I love them. Yeah. <clears throat> you love those. Yeah. yeah, it's incredible. And I think that's the thing. We're so, it's so easy, isn't it, in this world of kind of electronics and in cities and things that are going on for us to kind of see ourselves as distinct and separate, whereas in reality, we're not at all. Um, so at this point, if we go back to your story, you were in Australia when you saw the Wim Hof um, yeah. thing. Did you then do, so you did the cold um, swimming out there, did you? Or did yes. you travel at that no, point? It? Okay, sure. No, this was, this was Australian wintertime. So the water wasn't super, super cold. It was like 14 degrees. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was a great way for me to start and getting, yeah. getting like that, that used to the body. And then, um, so me and my partner at the time, we moved to the UK and this is where I kind of continued swimming in the lighters and, and then we had a holiday to Iceland and that's where I kind of really started testing, testing my training. Cause I trained here in, in London, like all winter. So we had a little tub outside that it would just go sit in almost every day and it would just, just like be as cold as the water would mm. be out, outside temperature, which in, in the wintertime, like did freeze over a little bit. Yeah. So, yeah. It was, it was pretty cold and that kind of just got me trained to, to be in Iceland. Wow. So, and then in terms of the Wim Hof breathing, so many people have heard of this. Um, some people don't, obviously don't know much about it. Can you explain a bit? Because I know that this form of breathing is used um, before you go into the cold exposure. And as you were saying, it does engage the sympathetic nervous system somewhat. Can you explain um, how people can use that? So the Wim Hof method breathing is a control, it's a method of controlled hyperventilation. So Mm -hmm. you breathe in, 
in through your nose, deep into your stomach. So it's not shallow breathing. You really want to activate the, the diaphragm and mm-hmm. take that breath down into your body. And you breathe in through your nose and then you just let go. You breathe in through your nose. Quickly. Yeah, like that. Okay. And yeah, you just try to not activate the shoulders too much. You try to relax your whole body, use your diaphragm as muscle. And then you do that 30 to 40 times. And after Mm -hmm. that, you exhale and then you stop. So it's an exhale retention after hyperventilation. So you're holding after you've exhaled, you hold. Yes. It's, it's a passive exhale, so it's not like, it's more, just a passive okay. exhale, and then you hold for as long as you can, for as long as comfortable. And then when you feel the urge to breathe, you breathe in, hold that breath for 15 seconds, and then you start the second round. So it's okay. that you do kind of three to four rounds of breathing. And yeah, what you feel is just, you feel a whole activation of your body. You're pumping your, so by doing the hyperventilation, you're getting rid of the CO2 and overloading Mm -hmm. your system with oxygen. So Mm -hmm. then when you are into retention, your, your CO2 starts to climb slowly and slowly and slowly. And actually this stimulates the bore effect, which makes it easier for your muscles to absorb all the oxygen. So the oxygen gets pulled out of your blood and into the muscles where they really can like be very beneficial for like regeneration or for just like people like to do a trick where you do that, do the, um, the Wim Hof method breathing, and then you do push-ups afterwards and you see, mm-hmm. and you can double the amount of push-ups that you can do just because of this oxygenation of the muscles. And yeah, because you're getting so much more delivered. Yeah. So it must be good for mitochondria as well in terms yes. of improving mitochondrial health. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. And um, so when you're doing that, just so what people can feel, um, what do you find with people who are doing this, who are new to this? Is there, do they, can they feel quite lightheaded at times? Is there a lot of heat generated? What, what can people expect when they first start doing this style of breathing? Yeah, it's actually, it can be different for people. Some people um, feel warm. Some people feel cold. That's both, both very normal. Um, tingly, tingling in the hands and in the fingers and in the feet and sometimes the lips. Um, you can feel a little bit of cramps. Okay. And yeah, just my recommendation is just like when you start it, there are many YouTube videos out there that are made by Wim always make sure to have one of those to guide you and just to make sure that you're safe because yes, you are hyperventilating. You can get a little bit lightheaded and you don't want to do this and you want to do this in a safe environment. So never before diving, I don't do the Wim Hof method before diving, never, never behind the wheel in the car or like in your bike or when you're crossing the street, always just sit down in your home, lay down, uh, make sure there are no sharp, sharp objects next to you and just try and feel your body. And it's really just about becoming mindful of your body in space, really. Um, okay. And yeah, that's it. That's just kind of connecting. So are you kind of accessing different brainwaves then as well, kind of moving into more 
alpha brain waves, if you're kind of connecting with space and your body? Or I think, I mean, I haven't personally um, observed a lot of, of brainwave research. Like mm-hmm. I haven't seen a lot of that done. I only know that from the latest study on WIM called Brain of a Body, he is activating an area in his brain called paradoxal gray. And paradoxal gray is involved in a descending tract of pain. So it sends a signal from your brain to the level of the first order neuron to down-regulate pain. And it uses the inhibitory um, opioids for that. So you're kind oh, wow. of you're, um, activating your own, your own pain inhibitors by doing this breathing. Interesting. So it could be used then potentially for people with things like fibromyalgia yeah. who are really struggling with pain. Yes. Um, and there mm. is a lot of research in that field actually going on now with MS. Um, there are already a few um, papers, I think, on fibromyalgia out there. Yeah. I can you I'll look, a link. Yeah. yeah, if you have it, I'll look into that as well and I'll include it in the, in the show notes. Um, because, yeah, the impact of that and, and the mitochondria and the oxygen delivery, um, yeah, it's a very interesting area. So you now, um, I mean, you tour the world, you're speaking all of the time. I know you've got a tour coming up in September. Um, can you tell us a bit more about what's coming up for you? You're also um, in the middle of filming a series on free divers. You've got so much going on. I feel super yeah. lucky to have you and have, have got you in for an hour before you actually get off on a plane later today. Um, yeah. But yeah, can you share what you're up to for the kind of last six months? Of um, the year? Well, I think... I think this is always where I struggle. When people ask me, so what do you do? I'm always like, yeah, I don't really know what I do. I do this, this whole bunch of different stuff. But yeah, so the next thing up for me is, yeah, of course, I'm, I'm flying to the Netherlands tonight for just a weekend to help a friend out uh, with some work there. But uh, after that, I'm starting to um, work with an Australian film crew on shooting kind of the story of how I got into free diving in a little bit more detail. So there is already like a short version of my story out there online. Um, But these guys kind of wanted to to tell the story more elaborative and Mm -hmm. some other parts of the story that I kind of learned. So the first video got made two years ago. Um, And there is a lot that I've learned since then. There is a lot that like, the way I grew uh, personality-wise, but also the way I coped with, um, yeah, forgiveness and knowing how to how to make peace with what happened and all of that kind of stuff. So the documentary will go, um, like, kind of showcase that from the extreme freight diving, how I handle it, how I train myself to overcoming trauma, but not mm. just overcoming it, but being able to, really make peace and forgive and have compassion for whatever happened in your life. So that's kind of what that's about. And that's most of the time as well, what I speak about now, it's not just the trauma anymore. It's not just the overcoming of uh, anxiety or panic attacks or depression. It's more, but how do you then, how can you achieve striving again? How can you really live with compassion? And to me, Honestly, right now, there is nothing I have against the guy who assaulted me other than compassion. 
Mm-hmm. I have pure. It's amazing to have got that for him. Um, so yeah, that's mostly what I talk about now. Um, how to kind of achieve this mindset through realizing certain aspects to to getting to know yourself, to learning, to learning about yourself, to learning about your breath, and yeah, that's that's yeah, that's, that's very it. <laughs> I mean, guys, you should go out. Um, those of you listening should go and check out that video because it is it's only about five minutes long, but it's a very powerful. Um, video and intro to what you're doing in terms of the filming coming up and I know that in that you talk yourself there about how you had to connect with yourself first and that has now enabled you to connect great on a greater level with others and um, I I, I found that myself when I I struggled similar to you with it was actually postnatally with depression but if you don't have compassion for yourself you almost can't have compassion and connection with others Um, so true what would you say has been the biggest thing for you in, I mean, you know, there'll be people out there who kind of almost can't imagine maybe if they've been abused, actually feeling compassion at this point for somebody that has mm-hmm. assaulted them. But on, on that journey, what has been so powerful for you in making that transition to connecting, forgiving, being compassionate and finally arriving at where you are today? Gratitude. I think. I really learned that I can never, I will never understand why a person does that. Mm -hmm. I will never understand how a person can hurt somebody else in that way without feeling guilty or without, um, yeah, maybe, Mm -hmm. I mean, maybe they feel guilty. Maybe they do. I don't know. But I realized that I am so, so lucky to not be able to understand because that means Mm. my mind just isn't capable of going there Mm. just because it cannot even imagine how it must feel like. So I started to become so grateful for the fact that I can't understand it. And I was like, I'm so grateful to have a mind that is compassionate and a mind that is considerate and that knows consequences. And I kind of just over time realized that we, yeah, like we're all nature, we're all connected. And to me, it was that kind of series of like, I connected to nature, then nature showed me that I'm nature. So I learned how to connect to myself. And then I realized, okay, then everybody is nature. So I could connect to everybody else. But by seeing him, for what he truly is, instead of seeing him as um, a rapist, mm-hmm. I all of a sudden thought, what if I have had his life? What if I grew up the way he grew up? He is from Iran, so mm-hmm. I know he must have probably seen some awful things in his childhood. And I think we all like to think, but I would turn out differently. I would turn out differently. I would not do that. Mm. But I don't think that we can say that because we haven't lived that life. So I just realized that by, like for him to need this connection or this self-control self-control, or just controlling of other people mm. and, and feeling big, for him to need that in his life, it's the saddest thing. 
because yeah. that means that without that, he doesn't have an identity. Without that, he has so much pain that I can't even imagine. I cannot even imagine the scope of his pain. So to me, that became the realization that really helped me along. It's like, I cannot even imagine what he must have gone through to, to end up as fucked up mm-hmm. as he is. Yeah, to end up. <laughs> yeah. But that, that is, I mean, that is amazing in terms of your own awareness of both yourself and of that connection. To actually connect and, and realize that his pain must be so great to behave in that way and to feel that gratitude for who you are. I mean, that's such an inspiration to other people to arrive there. Was that something you mentioned that it was, it was nature that helped you? Um, was that something that you kind of slowly arrived at or was there a kind of defining moment for you when you were out <clears throat> diving or something that you were suddenly like, now I just get it? Or how, how did you actually make that transition? Um, it, was, it was already on the path um, of that connection to nature. And to be very honest, there was one, like my first ever psychedelic experience that all of a sudden made me see what I already knew. And I okay. felt it and I understood it. And yes, I, I read all the books of like, we are one and we're connected. But when I took this medicine, it's uh, called Bufa Alvarius. It's, um, it's toad medicine. I felt it. I felt it and in every single aspect of my being. And it's not something that you can put into words, like not mm-hmm. even unconditional love or we're all one, we're all connected. That's a vocalization of a feeling. But to have experienced that actual feeling, that feeling of that no matter what, you're still capable of loving. That has been such a big shift in my life. And this was when I was, it's exactly a year ago, two days. So this is only a year ago that I really dove into, into those aspects of forgiveness. And I would say before that, I, I kind of, I would say I forgave him. I would be like, oh yeah, I've forgiven him. And, but I, I still was like, but I don't understand why anybody would do that. Mm-hmm. And I think the medicine just really helped me see that, that's the blessing to not be able to understand is the best blessing of all. Yeah, Um, very much so. But that's so powerful that you could see it in that way and, and take that experience and and continue with that now. Um, Do you, when you're working with people now um, and thank you so much for, you know, being so open and sharing that there must be so many people you can help. Do you help people who've been through similar traumas? Um, What's, what's the focus of your work? Because I know you do a lot of yeah. events and a lot of speaking. So actually, besides that, I also do um, a good amount of, of private sessions. Okay. Um, so within that, I do, yeah, private sessions for people that are traumatized or suffering from PTSD and more and more as well in like the assault, assault scene, of course. And this is also like my eventual goal is to, to make one or two retreats that are very specialized into 
dealing with trauma, dealing with assault. And that that's kind of like um, a more intimate, intimate group. But now it's mostly either private sessions or, um, yeah, coaching. But I definitely, definitely work with this group. That's amazing. Amazing to turn that adversity and into that. Um, and it was there, I know we've talked a lot about kind of nature and Nicole, but was there a mentor that you had, a person that you can kind of think that helped you through this? Um, or maybe more than one mentor along the way? Yeah, I think, I think my biggest, biggest mentor, of course, was nature itself. Um, but then Wim Hof, I think, for showing just, I, always, I like the quote, you can't be what you can't see. And only a few people have visions that, strong, that are strong enough to chase what's not yet out there. And Wim Hof was one of those people. He had a vision strong enough to defy the status quo. Mm-hmm. And by seeing him do that, I was like, maybe that's possible for me too. So I think he definitely paved the way in just realizing the huge potential we all have within us. But then there are so many mentors along the way of, of different fields, like of within the biohacking, within, I mean, I love, like you just mentioned, Joe Dispenza. I read a lot of books and I think every book has been a mentor for me. Every book mm. teaches me one or two other lessons. And then I just kind of integrate and pick and choose what fits into my life. Yeah, that's the same as me. Mm. Yeah. I think if you take one good thing or two things from a book, then that was a powerful book. Because yeah. you kind yeah. of collect, don't you, on your journey. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's amazing. And so do you, in terms of your, I'm just curious now, in terms of how people could, because in the same way that you said, uh, Wim Hof showed me that, you know, you can achieve things that you can't yet see. Um, and that maybe he sort of paved the way. But there's one thing being able to look at somebody, do that, and then actually be able to do that yourself. So I think for a lot of people, they think, oh, yeah, that's amazing, but I couldn't do that. What helped you make that that leap, if you like? Because there's so many people that try and they they want to believe there's something more out there. Um, What do you think was instrumental in helping you make that leap? Uh, I would say the fact that they didn't have a choice. Okay. I think I was at a point, I think Nicole just has been my lifeline. I don't think I would be here if I didn't find that power within myself. So to do it, there is no other way than to actually do it. There is no way to sugarcoat it. There is no way to, um, I mean, one of the most, one of the questions I get most is how, how can I start taking cold showers? Because mm-hmm. I can just not turn the shower cold. And the only thing I can say to that is, yes, you can. Mm-hmm. There's no way I can help you. There is nobody that's going to turn that knob for you. Yeah, that's you true. Start, you have to start doing that. Yeah. And keep hiding behind, oh, I can't do it, I can't do it, I can't do it. Then there is almost no way for me to help you because yeah. you have to realize that you can, that you do have the power. And 
yes, there's shit going on in your mind. There is like thoughts that are like, oh, I don't want to do this or excuses of like, I've taken a cold shower yesterday. I don't have to do it today or this and that and that. But you're not your thoughts. You You can have those thoughts and then still take action and do something else. You can still turn that knob and be like, oh, this is really, really cold. And you just stand there and take it for like 10, 20, 30 seconds. And that's it. Yeah. That's, I think as well, the power of the cold is realizing time and time and time and time again, that you're not your thoughts because every time you have to overrule them, every time you're going to come up with something, something. Mm, That's very true. You're playing. It's funny. What I found with cold showering is it's, it's the submission that empowers you. So if you're kind of like, if you go into the cold, you know, you think of someone getting into a swimming pool and they're like, it's so cold like this, you know, on a hot day and they dip their toe in. Whereas in reality, the moment that you just submit, just that sense of release and actually it's invigorating, right? You feel amazing. You feel incredible when you come out. I use it a lot for clients that I have in terms of improving circulation, um, all the kind of hermetic benefits, um, fat loss, things like that. And, And I say to them, you know, start i use i say to start with the tabata app on your phone and do 20 mm-hmm. seconds of cold and 10 seconds of warm and keep yeah. cycling between the two but you know over time you can get it colder and you can do it for longer but you're right in life no one essentially is ever going to turn that knob for you yeah um, and you just have to submit and just do it yeah because what's on the other side of it is amazing that's the thing yeah. um i forget who it was actually that said you might know someone famous author said how if you don't create pain or if you don't create difficulty in your life it will show up yeah life will create yeah. it for you life will create it for you <laughs> so um what is your i mean i know you haven't got long so i just wanted to touch on in terms of your own daily routine you've mentioned gratitude you've mentioned cold showering are there certain practices that you have that you do on a daily basis yeah uh definitely uh i get up really early um so most of the time it's between four or five. Mm-hmm. So I think five is the latest I get up. And like the first thing I do is kind of just meditate for a little while. Um, that can be either lying down. Meditation is taking a lot of like different shapes. Sometimes it's doing a round of breathing. Sometimes it's just laying. Sometimes it's called like um, the eight gate meditation. So it's like feeling through your body in different gates. Uh, That's one I've been recently doing a lot of. And then often the first thing that I do is kind of uh, drink a glass of water and then make a bulletproof coffee and have that in the morning. Um, I'm vegan, so it's it's like a non-butter bulletproof coffee with like MCT oil and coconut, coconut butter and stuff like that. but yeah, that's, that's kind of what I have early in the morning. And then depends on what I have to do. I love writing. Um, but recently I've, I've been doing my university exam. So I've just been studying a lot. Oh, so okay. What are you studying? I was studying signs of the senses. Um, okay. Wow. Yeah. So I hopefully finished that. <laughs> I need to look at my results. <laughs> but um yeah, I love studying. I love learning. And I'm just, I think that's a big part of what I do on a daily basis is either reading or just listening to audio books. 
And then I just start my work day and make a list of, of things that I have to do, send out emails, work on projects. Um, I try to get in movement every day, like either walking or actually going to the gym. I really like weightlifting. Um, and it kind of really depends. So yeah. I would say I have a structure of the day that is structured to me, but very flexible. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, because I'm const- constantly at a different place, I have that routine of like getting up really early and doing my meditation. And then it really depends on how my day looks like. If I'm shooting, uh, I won't be doing any, any further movement because I will be already already doing a lot of movement. But if mm-hmm. I'm studying, I want to make sure that I get at least a little bit of movement in. Grounding has been a big part for me. Yes, and- yeah, every every morning I try to go up, at least touch the ground, or make sure to to have lunch on the grass outside and get that grounding. Take my shoes off, get that grounding in, and if the sun is out, also try and and like expose my skin to the sun as much as possible. Like just just having a tank top. Um, Do you go out in the um, early morning sun just as it's rising and kind of expose your six? Normally, normally I do um, get up before sunrise, but then here in London, I haven't really been able to see the sun. (laughs) (laughs) Too many buildings. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So not here. Um, And you mentioned gratitude. Do you, um, you know, write down things that you're grateful for every day? Is that part of your practice? Yes. Um, I wouldn't say I write them down every day, but every, every day I kind of started this funny enough, like two years ago with my, with my ex-boyfriend. Um, we always told each other three days, uh, three things that we are grateful for at the end of the day. So when we were laying in bed, we would call it top three. And it just kind of made me realize because when you're looking for those top three moments, you go through the whole day trying to remember the best moments. Mm. So you're like, you're like, oh, this was a good moment. Or like even the very small things of like, oh, I really enjoyed the coffee in the morning mm. or just, just something that really, that happened that day. But you're looking back on the whole day, kind of like really focusing on all those positive things. Yeah. And that's, I think it's massive just to, just to end your day like that. Mm. And that's massive in terms of controlling anxiety as well. Mm-hmm. You start seeing the positive. Um, I think people are all too often focus, don't they, on the bad things that happened that day. Yeah. Yeah. So have you always been an early riser? Do you go to bed especially early to get up at that time? Or is that just a natural wait time for you? Yeah, it's natural wait time for me. I used to, I'm like, I'm, I'm used to waking up really early and I think I kind of did ever since I was a kid. Um, I got off it for a little, little while when I was, when I was working a regular job, but it just, I just realized that when I get up at four, five o'clock, I feel so much better, um, than if I, if I go, go to sleep a little bit too late, like I'm not functional in the evening. I can, I can wake up, I can wake up at three o'clock and start, start studying or start working on a very intense project. But I would not be able to do that after 4 or 5 p.m. Yeah, I'm very much the same. Have you ever done Dr. Bruce's uh, chronotype um, yeah. test? Have a look on the online questionnaire. So you're, you're going to be a lion. 
but you do the questionnaire and it tells you your chronotype. Because actually the research is now showing it's quite difficult, isn't it, to move away from a certain chronotype? Yeah. Um, but yeah. So just to leave it, what would be kind of one motto or kind of sense that you live by? I mean, to be very honest, it's going to be the name of my business, which is uh, Disturb the Comfort and Comfort the Disturbed. Mm. Um, so right now I function under the entity Disturb the Comfort as like just the courses that I'm doing as um, kind of the coaching, everything focuses on Disturb the Comfort. But I think through that, when you are able to get out of your comfort zone and in these today's society, we're getting so, we're so comfortable. We're constantly warm. We're constantly in this hibernating <clears throat> environment that we put uh, up for ourselves. Um, and we kind of forgot how to get out of a comfort zone, but on the same note, we also forget how to really take care of each other when we're not feeling so well. We're bottling up everything on our own. And yeah, it's, I think both entities, the server comfort and comfort disturbed that are highly needed in today's society. Well, wow, it's amazing. So how, how can people, I love that. How can people connect with you and how can they, are they, are these online programs that you offer? Where can people find out more? Um, I would say right now it's definitely my Instagram, uh, Kiki Bosch. And yeah. then my personal website is kikibosch.com. Then my business website is disturbthecomfort.com. Okay. So that is where people can reach me now. Um, most of the time, the, sending me a DM works perfectly. And that's also how like most of my coaching clients um, communicate with me or get, get in touch with me and then yeah, then I set up things from there according to the personal person's needs. Amazing. I will link to all of those in the show notes. Thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure to have Thank you on. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Oh, I've loved it. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Remember to review and subscribe. You can grab the show notes, the resources and highlights of everything Angela mentioned over at AngelaFosterPerformance.com. You can also snatch up plenty of other goodies, including the highly helpful Angela Recommends page, which is a list of everything she personally recommends to optimize your mind, body and lifestyle.